Alright, listeners. Thanks for listening to today's show. Hope you guys have a lovely and peace, lovely, enjoyable and peaceful week ahead. And safe week. Um, three cases acquired yesterday locally. Three overseas cases in New South Wales. Uh, Brisbane, Greater Brisbane's in lockdown. I uh, wish you guys all the best there. Um, update on the score. Australia still only five down and lead now by 3-3-2 runs. So I think the record is 287 chasing in SCG. Um, so they're on 3-3-2 now, the lead. Uh, it's going to be very hard for India. But anyways, we wish you guys all the best for this week. We'll see you guys next week from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. Sheldon Rickman in the morning. Jack in Red in the afternoon. And facebook.com forward slash voice of India, Monica Gitmala. 89.7 FM. See you guys next week. See Venezuela's president has described these demonstrators as right-wing extremists trying to set the country alight. Uganda's population growth has become a primary issue of concern. The first British womb transplants have been approved. A brazen attack. The Taliban targets the Afghan parliament. A 17-year-old has become the first minor to die by euthanasia in Belgium. The surf is so dangerous in Tahiti, a code red's been declared. Fighting for a bag of rice, the desperate plight of Rohingya refugees. 19 tourists have been killed in a hot air balloon explosion near Luxor in Egypt. Locals described it as beginning with a powerful explosion before ash and smoke shot from the top of Mount Charapastike. You're entering another world with Siobhan Moran McFarlane from Eastside Radio in Sydney and broadcasting across Australia on the Community Radio Network. Hello, I'm Siobhan Moran-McFarlane. Welcome to Another World. This week, we'll be taking a reflective look at our own lives after what is for most of us the most expensive time of year. Amid all the excitement of Christmas and New Year's Eve, it can be easy to get swept up in the madness and spend like there's no tomorrow. But when the fun and festivities are over, the reality of what's left in our bank balance can be terrifying and, in the worst cases, even devastating. Another sad reality of this time of year is that families are most likely to break down after all of the hard work and large amounts of time spent at home together reveal some often ugly truths. So to take a look at what we can do to improve our finances, especially after a family breakdown, I'll be speaking later in the programme to a financial advisor. Her name is Helen Baker, and if, like me, you've never used the services of people like her and assumed that they're only for the super rich, you will be surprised what she has to say about managing the income and financial security of everyday people. Before we get started, though, let's have our first track. This is Dinero by Troby featuring Alex Petrus.
Dinero by Troby featuring Alex Petrus. Now, Troby's real name is Brian Duchantenier, and he's a Dutch DJ and producer. Alec Petrus, meanwhile, is an alternative R&B singer-songwriter based in New York City, but who originally comes from Brazil. Now, today's program is all about our personal finances and what we can do to ensure that when we start this year with a better mindset, even if we also find ourselves with a lower bank balance. And it's easily done. After a really crummy year for most of us, the allure of Black Friday sales, Cyber Monday, Christmas, New Year's and now January sales, the temptations to spend after a hard year have been abundant. In November, consumer industry and market research company Roy Morgan issued their annual Christmas retail sales forecasts. These are conducted in conjunction with the Australian Retailers Association and indicated that Australians were expected to spend over $54.3 billion across retail stores during the Christmas period alone. And that marks nearly a 3% increase on our spending over the holidays in 2019. Unsurprisingly, the largest percentage increase in spending was predicted in the food category, with all of us spending up to 10% more than we did last year, totalling a whopping $23.8 billion. In part, that is a straightforward result of us not being to go out for dinner as much, and so we've had to eat at home instead of visiting hospitality venues. Now, growth in household goods was also expected to grow strongly over a year ago, also up by nearly 10% to nearly $10 billion. But spending on clothing, footwear and accessories was set to be down by over 12% to $3.7 billion, which I guess makes sense if few of us have been able to go anywhere all year to even wear any nice clothes. And that sadly looks set to continue for some time in New South Wales as the outbreak in the northern beaches of Sydney has really set us all back. Victorians are also treading cautiously after an impossibly long lockdown last year. But in the other states and territories, spending has been on the rise as they remain largely unaffected by the pandemic. Of course, our personal spending does not necessarily correlate only with the state or territory in which we live. I know from personal experience that in the absence of being able to travel outside of Sydney for so long, I've been more than happy to spend a lot more on food, drink and entertainment closer to home. And it's not even all about the pandemic. There are any number of factors that influence our individual choices about coughing up the cash, including how good you are at saving instead of splurging to begin with. The good news is that before the holiday season, the Reserve Bank found that credit card debt in Australia was down by 20% since COVID-19 hit in March last year. We went as a society from having a collective debt of over $30 billion to $23 billion, which is still a crazy amount, but at least it was heading in the right direction. 
That said, the jury is out by how much of that reduction we've managed to maintain over the silly season, because the spending data is still coming in. But even if we have been largely good, as it were, as a society and kept our spending largely in check over Christmas and New Year, there is no doubt that many of us are still carrying huge personal debts into 2021. Yo, yo, Chase, Z- Z- Zilla, der Killer, ich roll dich die Hook in mein Benz gelegt. Du bist mein Major, doch siehst leider nur 20 Cent pro CD. Du bist Zack Mac, es gibt Red Dead, Löcher durch dein Snapback. Es gibt nichts zu reden, du willst weiter haten, Junge, ist schon okay. Ich hab das Vitamin B, du tanzt mit dem Teufel. Was für dich bedeutet, ich schicke dir Rocker wie ILPT. Wagen tiefer gelegt, wenn's um Lilane geht. Kenn ich keinen Stoff, Kohle im Kopf wie ein Shisha-Kaffee. Südberlin, ich komm mit Cousins, bist die Kugeln und seh deine Crew rennen. Was für Wu-Tang, mach mir nicht auf Movement, weil mir läuft zickzack, dicker Bootcamp. Meine harte Santi, ne Mill auf dem Konto, frag Maganji. Ego gepanzert, Voice in the Hood, Zilla, Chase, Euros und Schmuck. Yeah. Euros und Schmuck bringen dir Bräute im Klo. Steigende Arroganz, Geld für Geschäft. Digga, eure Helden sind mit. Jagt auf die Kohle, Status-Symbole. Glaub mir, dass die Welt, wie sie ist. Steigende Arroganz, Geld für Geschäft. Digga, eure Helden sind mit. Nimm die Welt, wie sie ist. Es geht noch ums Bar, ich bin Geld für Geschäft. Steigende Arroganz, Geld für Geschäft. Scheiß, Zilla, Euros und Schmuck. Euros und Schmuck bringen dir Bräute im Klo. Eitelkeit pur. Yeah, ich mach mir lieber meine Haare, als dich anzusehen Alles geht in Hand und Drehen Da kannst du mich im Lager neuen Lambo sehen Es ist scheiße, ich werd und war niemals pleite Stapel die Scheine, fahr nie alleine Jungs an der Seite, schreib ein paar Reime Sie sind, ich bin Fame und sie spreizt ihre Beine Flow wieder mies, deine Ho ist verliebt Nichts läuft ohne das Kiez Jeder macht Französisch wie Paris Sie macht doch Französisch, ich genieß Nicht jeder hat das Recht mit mir zu reden, also bleib weg Digga, komm, erzähl keinen Scheiß jetzt Darüber, Mann, wie heftig du an my Rams Du und deine Jungs, ihr reißt bei jedem Streit weg Ja, es stimmt, ich bin eingebildet Ich kenne nichts, was schöner ist als ich Deine Frau, gestern Abend hab ich mir nicht eingebildet Rap ist Fußball und ich tunne dich Arrogant steigt wie der Wasserspiegel Was kann ich dafür, dass die Slut verliebt ist? Über Nacht zum Star, nebenbei zum Model Ich gebe Gas und hol mir alles, was ich jemals wollte Absolute Nummer 1 wie Apple Gratulier mir gerne oder halt deine Fresse Es ist einfach, ich kam, sah und fickte Chase ist die Zukunft, der Rest ist Geschichte Bin zwar Arsch auf, doch die Bitches rennen mir hinterher Doch für mich sind sie nicht einmal der Rede wert Sie macht doch Fahrt zu knacken, ich werd sie eh bekommen Denn ich klär mehr Nummern als die Telekom Steigende Arroganz, Geld für die Schiss Digga, eure Helden sind nett Jagd auf die Kohle, Statussymbole Glaub mir, dass die Welt wie sie ist Steigende Arroganz, Geld für die Schiss Digga, eure Helden sind nett Nimm die Welt wie sie ist Es geht noch ums Bar, ich bin Geld für die Schiss Steigende Arroganz, Geld für die Schiss Scheiß, Zilla, eure sind Schmutz that was Hell Fetishist, which translates as Money Fetishist by Shays featuring Silla. Now, Shays is the 21-year-old rapper and singer from Bremen in Germany. And Matthias Schulz, better known as Silla, is also a rapper from Germany who, in 2010, changed his pseudonym Godzilla to Silla to avoid a lawsuit by Toho, the owners of the rights to Godzilla. Now, as mentioned at the start, I wanted to get the advice of a real financial expert to find out what all of us can do to better manage our finances. So earlier, I spoke to Helen Baker, who is the founder of On Your Own Two Feet, a financial advisory service primarily aimed at women. Helen is highly qualified within the Australian financial planning industry, holding a Master's in Financial Planning, a Bachelor of Commerce and a Master's in Innovation and Change Management. As well as being an experienced financial advisor, she's also a public speaker and author who firmly believes in the benefits of having a strong team of professionals to underpin your financial foundations. And she says this support enables you to build for the future and be the best you can be. Whether you are in a relationship, divorced, widowed or single and just want to take control financially and get going in the future, this is for you. And as well as offering tailored advice, Helen also shares her practical financial advice in two books and on her website, onyourowntwofeet.com.au. And today she shares some of her wisdom with us. 
Helen Baker, welcome to Another World. Thanks for having me. Hi. For someone who's never had financial advice, what does it offer the average person who isn't a millionaire? Yes, so good question. I think for everybody, we often think, oh, financial advice is just for the wealthy, but I'm not wealthy. So, But it's one of those things where if you make a start, the luxury with good financial advice is anything that you make that's a difference now has the benefit of compounding over time. So you could make a difference to your superannuation that reduces a cost by, say, $1,000 a year, and then that $1,000 just keeps on compounding year on year on year on year. And so it has a multiplication effect. Is it very expensive to see a financial advisor? Well, as they say, it's... Uh, what is it, that quote that says it's... it's uh, it's not as expensive as being an amateur, but seeing a professional. I can't remember the quote. You know the one that I mean that mm. um, it goes like that. So I think in certain situations, it, it pretty much pays for itself, but it's definitely a lot more. Um, it will cost a lot more than, say, going to your accountant because we have the licenses and the compliance, which is so heavy duty that that's where a lot of the cost comes in as well as the strategies that we have to think about. You're a very qualified financial advisor, but there are a lot of people without specific qualifications who still offer financial advice. How does one find a good financial advisor? Yeah, it's always a hard one because even I've said this before in here with the guys that I'm with, it's like how would people know where to go if you're just looking out there? And even for some people, they've had financial advice from somebody and so they've referred on or even an accountant or a lawyer but those people are not necessarily very good. So it is very hard. I think it's about qualifications. It's about understanding the person's integrity and do you trust them and do you want to partner with that person because it's not usually with financial advice that you get in and do something and you never see them again. It's usually a long-term relationship and you share a lot of inner secrets as well. So I think it's about finding somebody that you can relate to and build trust. What made you want to start on your own two feet? <laughs> it was a funny thing. I actually had a background as a fixer. So I used to go into businesses and fix things or make things happen. So projects that were stuck and things like that. And so I was actually working in a financial planning firm where I was looking at fixing certain things in this situation. And from there, that's when one of the partners said to me, I think you should be an advisor. He said, I see you with people. It's such a people business. And when I thought about it, I thought, well, my background was finance. It's about people and it's about project managing because you're really about trying to help them achieve their goals and dealing with things that come up in what I call life event financial planning. And that's basically where it came from and been going now for over 11 years. Why do you focus on helping women specifically? Yes, so there's um, women in our industry and financial planning industry are a minority significantly. So I always joke that when I go to conferences, I never have to queue for the ladies' toilet because there's so little <laughs> few women in there. Um, I think about financial advice for women and my own experience and also when I did my thesis in my master's was about the fear that women have in terms of going to see an advisor. So they either feel intimidated, um, they feel like that they, they don't understand or that they can't be vulnerable. And so it was just actually happened where I was attracting more and more and more women to come to a female advisor. How does financial literacy translate into other areas of our life? I think finance is underpinning. So for me, what, what I see with women is that we're wired for security. So if we feel financially insecure, it starts to affect other areas of our life. So we can come a bit touchy, we can become withdrawn, we can be very stressed. And so that has a flow-on effect to the family and the people that are around us. So if we can actually make sure that we're financially secure and we don't need to worry about those things, then we have a much better, more stable being because that whole underpinning is sitting there. So I talk a lot about the five foundations that secure your now and your future. And what are the five foundations? Great. So the first one is having an emergency fund. So having money sitting aside, and for everybody it's a different amount of money, that is what I call their sleep at night factor. So if we lose our job or some good opportunity comes along, your child makes some football team and you want to go travel overseas with them, 
that's the opportunity there rather than using credit cards or mortgage debt. And then the second one's what I call a spending and an investment plan. So a lot of people might use the term budget, but we can work out what our spending will be and we can add up what that is. And hopefully there's something left over to invest because we won't have enough for our long-term future just with super on its own, generally speaking. So we need to be doing something else. And the benefit of time is in our favour the earlier we start. The third one is around insurances, so having private health cover, having your general insurance in place, and then the personal insurances, which is life insurance, total and permanent disablement, income protection and trauma cover. And then the fourth one is superannuation because we all have it. So making sure that people don't consolidate if they have insurance inside and they haven't sorted out number three properly. Looking at fees, how the money's invested, who is it being left to, those elements and the insurance, again, that may sit inside there. And that the fifth one is estate planning, so making sure we have our wills, powers of attorney, um, advanced health directives, all that side working out. And then we can build what we build on top because we shouldn't then have it come crashing down if we lose a job or we get sick and can't work. Are you concerned about modern trends? And when I'm thinking about women, I'm particularly thinking about things like fast fashion and afterpay. Do those sorts of things concern you when it comes to women's financial stability? I think so. I think anything with society now, we we so spend a lot. You know, we, we buy this and we buy that. And some things are cheaper than they ever were when I was growing up. Certainly some of the clothes in certain stores are. But by the same token, we have become a lot more of an accumulation society. So we buy a lot more things um, for our homes. There's always new trends coming out. And then putting in bad habits like, oh, I don't have enough for that, so I'll put it on this card or I'll do this. And we've moved away from cash as well. So we actually don't really realise what we're spending. There's no real connection. Whereas if you have cash in your wallet, You can see it depleting. There's a connection there between what you're spending and what's actually on target with what you want to spend. Whereas when it's just on these cards or afterpays, you know, it's kind of chasing your tail, I think. Why aren't we taught more about financial matters at school? I don't know where that's fallen out because I know when I was at school, we learned a lot of those sorts of things. I think to be fair, from my understanding with teachers, is they spend so much time dealing with behaviour, they have limited time to teach. But I think financial literacy has been lost. I think, again, we took cash out of society so much with these cards. Even children for tuck shops are using cards. So it's there's a bit of a disconnect, and I think there's a realisation that it is missing, and now they're starting to try, at some schools anyway, I think, trying to put it back in. Do you think there's any kind of maybe small-level conspiracy that banks or corporations or even governments want us to be ignorant about money so they can take advantage? Well, I think any company that's out there is out there to make a profit. So they're going to try and do that however they can. I think the Royal Commission has been fantastic for exposing a lot of these things that really shouldn't be happening and the the ethics in certain areas. So I think that that should hopefully improve. But, you know, we've certainly seen situations where people have been terminated from their roles and CEOs and been paid out, you know, $6 million to walk away. It's like if you got sacked from your job, I doubt you'd get the golden handshake. Do you know what I mean? So there's something wrong with these amounts that some of these organisations are reaping. How can we save more of our money when the cost of living is rising but wages are largely stagnant? That's a big tough one at the moment, I think, because cost of living is increasing. You look at private health cover and it goes up 9 or 10% every year, um, and that puts an enormous amount of pressure on families. We've got a lot more children going to private schools. One could argue that's a choice but it feels like some of the systems have been let down. So there's a a lot more pressure and expectation on trying to get children good education. So I think that until things get better in terms of... There's a whole issue there in terms of interest rates being low. The Australian economy is sitting sort of on the housing market, the construction industry and the mining again. And we haven't got a lot of 
other industries really pushing forward. I mean, some might be with some IT, and but manufacturing's gone. So I think we've got limited scope in terms of improving as a country unless we rely totally on growth, which means that certain sectors might do better than others at different times. But I think even for businesses, the amount of pressure, even for our industry now, the more and more costs that we have to bear with more compliance is, um, you know, makes costs increase as well. Saving for a home, particularly in the cities, seems really impossible at the moment for a lot of people, particularly with huge deposits and high prices. What can young women in particular do to overcome that to buy their first home? Yeah, unfortunately, I think it's a little bit about reducing our expectations. When I was growing up, it was, you know, the three-bedroom house and then it became the four-bedroom house and it became four bedrooms with... Um, you know, double garages and swimming pools. And so I think the expectation has increased as well. But to be fair, and even a crummy flat, even a studio in Sydney is going to cost you 800 plus, really. It's terrible, isn't it? It's really hard because I think as single women, we lose the economies of scale. So couples have two incomes coming in. They might still only need a one-bedroom flat in Sydney themselves, but... For women as a single income, particularly when we get paid less than men, gen- generally we still have the gender pay gap. Women tend to do some of those lesser paid high um, high jobs. We're certainly some things have improved there, but it's, the career is also quite limiting. So it's really a problem. And property has become a way to make money as opposed to a home. And I think this is what's exploited the value of these homes and that's where something went wrong in those last probably 10 or 20 years where people got in renovated and pushed all these prices up the mining boom came pushed a lot of immigration up and then all these people needed housing and it's just gone out of it's just gone crazy so what can we do what advice would you have for someone who's trying to save for that first place I think you have to look at how you might be able to get an economies of scale. So can you go in with a friend? Can you, the two of you go in, a sister or something like that, where you can try and get a place? If you think of a one-bedroom, say like 800, you might be able to get a two-bedroom for around the same, which means you both only need to borrow 400 or get down, you know, $80,000 deposit. It's still a lot to save, but it's coming back to trying to find ways that can do that economies of scale, I think. Planning for the future, how far ahead should we be looking, given that we can't really predict what the economy will be like in if decades to come? Mm. I think doing whatever you can all the time is the key. So part of financial advice is sometimes doing projections that say, okay, is this, this and this, do I actually have enough? And if not, What do I need to start doing now? And that comes back to that benefit of time. So the more that we put away earlier, we get the benefit. Just like when you're trying to pay a mortgage down, you go the other way. The more that you can throw at that mortgage at the start means the interest is lower over the longer period. So therefore, you can pay off your home earlier if you put more on it up front. The reverse is the same when you're trying to invest or grow your superannuation. So the more you can put in early, the longer it can keep growing for. And do our financial needs change as we get older? I think they definitely change in terms of there's times when you have the seasons where you might be a single person and you can put some things away, but then you become um, a mum and you might want to take time off to have children. So then we take a hit to the finances in terms of what we could do in that because there's not as much spare cash. Then we come out where the children leave home and then we have a little bit more and then we start to move into that retirement phase and then seeing how long that can last for. When you're in a relationship, what are some of the key things you can do to make sure that every financial decision doesn't become an argument? Yeah, I think what you find a lot in relationships is one is often the spender and one is the saver to varying degrees. So again, getting financial advice is puts the third party in the middle to try and help you both achieve your goals. So it takes a bit of the weight off you trying to make it work between the two of you if one's extreme on one decision and one's the other. I talk about at times as well about protecting yourself, not rushing in to share bank account details and making sure, you know, unfortunately the statistics around relationships now 
breaking down are high and increasing. So we want to make sure that as women, we protect ourselves because we can't afford to keep dividing this money up when we split with somebody either. But by the same token, if you're together, we're back to that economies of scale. So you get the opportunity to start projecting for your future as well. So it's about managing that situation, making sure you're careful. So if you are going through a divorce or a breakup, what should you be looking out for for your own financial security? Yeah, so in a split, I talk to people about having three people in your team. So we all know we want to go and get the legal advisor and get the lawyer on board, which is great. Um, Getting advice there is important. But very few people go and get financial advice before they settle. So they make a lot of mistakes making decisions that they thought were good decisions or not understanding what the decisions meant. And then once it's settled, you can't undo that. And so they can often rob themselves of quite a lot of money and put themselves in a worse position. And then the third person, I think, on the team is often just having that counselling support or that person who can help you deal with it and get you through the grief process and how to deal with it, particularly if children are involved. That's when you see a lot of issues happen with um, communication because obviously if there's a split, very likely there was a communication issue to start with. So having those supports around you to try and make it easier and to make wise decisions is important. And just finally, how important are wills and when should you write one? Wills should always be done from the age of 18. So even young people will think, oh, I don't need one of those. But the reality is now with superannuation and probably insurance inside superannuation, they may not even realise they have, then there's an, there's money that needs to go somewhere and needs to be managed. And it creates a lot of problem if they haven't done a will. So they should always be updated. And if you remarry or get married, your original will is revoked. So it's no longer in existence, which means you're in test state, which creates a lot of problem as well. Helen Baker, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Get up on the throne. Get up on the throne. That's where you belong. So get up on the throne. Sylvia Ron can be safe. Floor to the ceiling. Stack money, stack millions Oh, what a feeling Julie Swiddle around the building every day We don't run from the devil Don't work for the police Stay up on the level So high they can't reach So get up on the throne Could you know They call you one in a million So get you all out of millions Yeah
was Make That Money Girl from the 2017 album So Good by Zara Larsson, a Swedish singer-songwriter who, at the age of 10, achieved national fame in her Scandinavian homeland by winning the 2008 season of a talent show called Talang, which is the Swedish version of Australia's Got Talent. Before that was my interview with financial advisor Helen Baker. If you'd like to know more about Helen and her work on the On Your Own Two Feet platform, check out the Another World social media at AnotherWorld897 on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram, where I'll post some links and more information. If you're not sure how to find us on social media, you can also visit the Another World program page on the Eastside Radio website, eastsidefm.org forward slash anotherworld. And don't forget, you can also hear today's show recording and previous episodes of Another World on that page too.
That was Money Changes Everything by the wonderful and always colourful Cindy Lauper. The song was originally written by Tom Gray, frontman of The Brains, a rock band from Atlanta, Georgia. But Cindy's version of the song was released in 1984 as the fifth single from her album She's So Unusual. And in it, she sings about how money interferes with personal relationships, which is a key theme of today's show. We've been talking about our personal finances and how to better manage our income and spending as we start the new year. Earlier in the programme, I spoke to financial advisor and expert Helen Baker. Now, during our conversation, Helen touched on the important issue of women in particular planning for the worst. For many people, that will be the breakdown of a relationship. And it's well known that January is in many countries considered divorce month. And the second Monday in January is when most people return to work, but also, which this year falls on the 11th of January, referred to as Divorce Day. And that's because it marks the turning point in many people's minds about seeking a new start, a bit like a sad resolution to start over. The number of relationship breakdowns and couples seeking separations in January jumps by about 30%. Family fights over Christmas and couples forced to spend significant time together over the holidays are anecdotally thought to be a significant contributing factor. And the notion of staying together for the kids often rapidly becomes less of a pull after the holidays are over. But deciding to break up in January doesn't mean actually divorcing right away. The average divorce takes about 12 months to sort out and that's assuming everything goes to plan. Even if you both initially agree, disputes can easily arise. And sometimes even the temptation to give it another go can also delay the inevitable. So making the decision to legally separate is just the start of a long and often costly process. So it makes sense that having a contingency fund for the worst is a smart idea. Especially if you think your relationship is coming to an end and probably even if you feel secure. Making matters worse at this time of year is the fact that domestic violence also spikes over the holiday period. We know we have a huge problem with family abuse and violence in Australia, even if we don't like to talk about it. On average, more than one woman a week is killed by the scourge on our society, and yet there really is very little funding, resources or even will to address the problem. Domestic violence is a constant threat for millions of women, children and men. But as a result of the pandemic, victims' advocates say the past 12 months likely represents the worst year ever. Hayley Foster, Chief Executive of Women's Safety in New South Wales, has worked in domestic violence support for 15 years and has been shocked by what she's witnessed in the past year, saying 2020 will be remembered as the worst year for domestic violence that any of us who are in the sector now have ever experienced. There have been just so many more strangulation cases, so many threats to kill, so many more serious head injuries and sexual assaults have gone through the roof. Coronavirus restrictions combined with unemployment and financial stress linked to the pandemic have caused domestic violence cases to spike across the country. And it's not just in Australia. In the United States, the New England Journal of Medicine has referred to intimate partner violence during COVID-19 as a pandemic within a pandemic. It's an issue that affects people of all races, cultures, genders, sexual orientations, socioeconomic classes and religions. That said, economic instability, unsafe housing, neighbourhood violence and a lack of safe and stable childcare and social support can worsen already tenuous situations. So it's not surprising that an international pandemic has proven devastating. And if you think there are plenty of support services to deal with this issue, you're wrong. At the start of the pandemic, our federal government allocated another $150 million for domestic violence support, but it's nowhere near enough. With the Australian Institute of Criminology revealing that almost 10% of all Australian women in a relationship have experienced domestic violence during the coronavirus crisis. There simply haven't been enough resources to meet demand for chronically underfunded support services, especially as two-thirds of those women said the attacks started or became worse during the pandemic. 
And those are only the ones we know about. There are millions more people suffering in silence. I know this is a bleak topic, but that's not a reason to ignore it. And the message to everyone is simple. We all need to make sure that we have some degree of financial independence so that if the worst does occur, we have the means to deal with it. Of course, that won't always be as terrible as domestic violence. And even an amicable split requires us to have our own savings. Unexpected deaths or the loss of a job, as so many of us have experienced this past year, are also situations that we should all feel prepared for. Because while it's easy to hope or even assume that the worst won't happen, we should all take the time to invest in ourselves and then ensure that if it does, we can do our best to cope. DJ Elvis. 
That was Dinero by LG Beats Killer, a rapper whose real name is Joel Evora, and he was born and raised in Nice in France to Cape Verdean parents. He then moved to the African island country when he was 13, before eventually relocating to the United States. And he's well known for bringing fresh sounds to Zouk and Kizomba, which are both genres of dance-orientated music, and mixing them up with R&B and rap on his own label, Rakamau. And I think his music is very unusual, and I like that he still often writes and performs lyrics in Cape Verdean Creole, not something you hear every day in Australia, that's for sure. Now, if you're just joining us, today's show has been all about financial management of our own personal wealth. And I know it can be very tough at this time of year to work out how to financially come back from what is a traditionally very heavily spending period. So I want to point you in the direction of some help and resources if you've been inspired to better manage your money or feel you really need some guidance on how to improve your situation. If you like the sound of my guest earlier in the program, Helen Baker, she's based in Brisbane and you can touch base with her via her website onyourowntwofeet.com.au. You can also pick up one of her books, including On Your Own Two Feet, Steady Steps to Women's Financial Independence, the second edition of which is available now and has recently been revised and expanded. Or if you're looking to separate from a partner, Helen has also published On Your Own Two Feet Divorce, Your Survive and Thrive Financial Guide. It is particularly aimed at the 50,000 Australian women who go through separation or divorce every year, but I'm sure men will also find some very useful tips and information are included. But if you want something a little less specific, anyone can also check out the government's Money Smart website for free at moneysmart.gov.au. And as well as general financial advice and resources, it also now includes specific information pertaining to the coronavirus pandemic including early access to super, how to protect yourself from scams and where to find free financial counselling which starts with a call to the National Debt Helpline on 1800 007 007. In der zehnten Etage zwischen Hela-Ware und Hela-Ware Warte auf Veränderung, zähl die Jahre, als wären es Tage Ich erhebe die Klagen, nicht gegen die Welt, sondern gegen mich selbst Denn während wir die ganzen letzten Jahre high waren Machen andere Karriere oder heiraten Der Höhepunkt von uns Jungs war der Leihwagen Und so zieht der Rauch weiter durch die Hausflurdiele Weil meine Leute leider weiterhin im Hausflurdiele Es regnet keine tausend Rosen, sondern tausend Lilien Du willst auch mal spielen, doch du ziehst nicht über los Und gehst direkt ins Gefängnis Denn dieser Lifestyle wird dir leider sehr schnell zum Verhängnis Beendet, so schnell es geht, beendet Sonst stehst du da mit deiner Coolness ohne Schulabschluss Nur weil du dachtest, dass du vor deinem Kumpels cool sein musst
Was Kein Geld or No Money by Jiro featuring Dizetch. Now, Jiro is a Berlin based musician who is heavily influenced by jazz, doo wop, boom bap, trap, and more, much of which you can really hear in the production of that track. And uh, you, he's the one you can hear rapping about the consequences of a criminal lifestyle over a very relaxed, slow, dreamy beat with atmospheric brass, while Dizetch sings the hook in a high pitch that is a bit not dissimilar to Pharrell Williams, I think. Well, unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. I hope you've enjoyed our trip into the world of personal finances and feel more empowered to take control moving forward into 2021. And our discussion with Helen Baker, I hope you enjoyed that also. I'll be back next week when together we will travel once again into another world. To play us out is For the Love of Money by Philadelphia soul group The OJs. It was recorded in 1973 for their album Ship Ahoy with the song's title actually coming from a well-known Bible verse, 1 Timothy 6.10, For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, I'm not a particularly religious person, but I thought it was interesting to have a flip side of what we've been discussing today and just to remember that it's important to keep a balance between protecting your finances but then also, you know, still remembering to live and enjoy yourself. Now, um, this track is actually quite old. It's from 1974, but it re-emerged in 2004 when it was rather appropriately used as the theme song for the US television series The Apprentice, hosted by He Who Shall Not Be Named. So enjoy, relax, and see you next week in Another World.